Good evening, and welcome to episode 86 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2014 Australian National Champion and 2016 Regional Champion, Jesse Marshall. Hello. 2015 and 2016 Regional Top 8 competitor, Hollis Echo. What is up? And I'm your host, Brian Holland. This week we uh, have, a, have a smaller panel than normal. Wilfred Horrig is off to the Sydney division of HB to get his... Uh, geez, now I can't think of like an oil changed. Thyroid. <laughs> oil changed. That's so like, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's, he's uh, mind he gets, remapped. <laughs> hopefully, he gets it, uh, gets his oil changed uh, sooner rather than later, so he doesn't end up like trapped on the side of the road waiting for like a, a girl to come and find him and re-oil his joints and take on a magical adventure. That would be <laughs> unfortunate. Um, <laughs> if he only had a heart. A joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but we're co- talking about the the corporation side of the liberated mind, and uh, we're going to start with uh, the HB cards, a card that I'm I'm personally very angry about, and we'll get to that in a moment. But it's brainstorm. It's an ice sentry, AP res nine, strength two, influence four. When the runner encounters brainstorm, it gains subroutine do one brain damage for each card in the runner's grip for the remainder of this run. So this is probably most um, Comparable to a card like Kumainu. Uh, it's funny that you said you were angry about this just, card, Brian, because it I'm seems so to me to be a visual representation of what goes on in your mind when you encounter something mildly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the art on it, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> everyone playing alone with this uh, audio audio podcast to get this visual gag sort of going on. But yeah, um, basically, I don't ever want to pay nine to res anything unless the subroutine <laughs> reads like win the game. Right. Uh, that might sound a bit selfish, but for nine, if I'm paying nine for something, I at least want to get more than strength two out of it. If I'm paying nine, like make it so the most common sentry breakers in the game can't break it, like without having to pump. Okay, like, here's here's my it's just, view uh, uh, on that. Uh, right, uh, nine. Go on. If you look at some of the other nine cost or thereabouts ice in the game, so you've got Hadrian's Wall in the core set for ten, which ended the run. Strength ten, right? Yeah. Strength seven, two subroutines ended strength the run. Seven. Not yeah. very good. Um, you've got the cycle of space ice that all cost nine. That again is not very well, good. Yeah, They've all got you, one subroutine. No, but you, you can and it's also not particularly impactful. Costs, so. Yeah, you can reduce it. And then you've got yeah. um, uh, some of the bioroids that are there or thereabouts, like Ichi two point You got Tollbooth. You got Heimdall, uh, Wall of Thorns. None of those cards really say end the game. Whereas I think this. No, and, while and it I've, looks can I just weird, add that I've never paid nine for any of those cards either. Well. Yeah, I mean, you know, know. Tollbooth, Wall of Static, um, Heimdall, I've, I've certainly raised all of those. Um, yeah, well, Tollbooth toll is really, really fucking good. But that's, that's like, I don't think they're comparable. Like, sure, 8 to 9 is only one credit, but, I mean, it's it's 5 strength. It it only ends the run, sure, but it's a huge taxing piece of ice. It at least does something. If you If the runner runs into this and they have no cards in their hand and you're not threatening to kill them, which, I mean, you're not necessarily likely to be able to do in HB, and this is five, what, four or five influence? Four, yeah. Or something, so no one's no one's splashing this into their Jinteki deck and is going to neural EMP you or something I don't like know, that. I don't know. So, I, I can see people paying four influence to splash one of these into a Jinteki deck. For nine, for nine, and then they just parasite it? Like, or, I mean, what happens? Like, well, it's about the face check penalty. One, you, I mean, this is one of the biggest face check penalties in the game if not the biggest at the moment on a piece of ice and that's worth thinking about at least surely like part of the reason Tollbooth is good is because it hits them for three no matter what when they run into it the first time um, part of the reason Arch is good is that it threatens to trash two programs having an ice that threatens even if it's not 
extraordinarily likely to happen. An ice that threatens hard subroutines, so you don't need to trace, you don't need to fulfill any other condition other than, than them not having a breaker and having cards in hand, both of which are entirely reasonable towards the beginning of the game in particular. Um, once those two conditions are met, it threatens to cripple them quite significantly. And if, like you said, Brian, it leans better into a deck that has other ways to punish people for having brain damage, um, because brain yeah. damage in and of itself is only a slight annoyance to becoming a moderate annoyance once you have three or four of them. Um, but if there's a way that uh, the corp can take advantage of that through, obviously, Scorched Earth or things like Ronin as well, then this can become quite a powerful piece of that, I think. Yeah, sure, and like, I know that because I'm standing so down this card, I'm almost definitely going to have to eat my words because I'll be playing Andromeda next week and first click, first turn, run into this and take nine brain damage and just be like, GG, and I'll be like, fuck enough. <laughs> but I just don't, like, Hollis, I want to know, what's your opinion, man? Like, there's there's a bit of divide here. <laughs> Choose a side. None, none of this, I don't want to hear any fence-sitting language out of you either. Well, uh, unfortunately, that's exactly what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> oh, so- <laughs> it's It's basically a matter of, in general, Jesse makes a good point. Any ice that we've seen that's been like uh, nine or higher, it hasn't been very great. Like if you were to look at the options available, he mentioned Hadrian's. Other things on that list are like, for example, Curtain Wall. Curtain Wall is only good in conjunction with a combination of like Blue Sun and Overset AI. You've got all the space ice, which hasn't been super, super popular um, in the grand scheme of things. You've got Flare and Ashigaru and Suzanu no Mikoto. Which, while Suzanu saw play in a lot of, like, RP decks and maybe even a few uh, uh, Planet Foods-like decks, it's still an ice that you really don't really want to res. Like, they're decent, but you just don't ever really want to res them for the full cost that they have. Mm, And compare this to Janus. It's harder for the the first time they run into it. Right. It it is. And it it costs six less credits. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can agree with that. It feels it feels like brain damage. Sure, but in this like game. when we're when we're comparing this card to like just cards that are notably not good, like is this really like because it compares favorably to a card that's historically bad? Does that make this card good, or just make it not as bad as that terrible card that no one plays anyway? Well, Janus it costs six less, which is a lot, um, and yeah. it's but like far I'm saying, more likely is, is there to any, hit them if, on the first yeah, turn it does. So no, I'd I'm say not, it's I'm not far saying more likely that... to hit them because Janus is never, no one's going to hit anyone with Janus because no one's playing Janus. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I mean, it has seen a little bit of play in Blue Sun. I don't know. I mean, sure, you can say that no one's playing it, so that comparison is not relevant. But I think at least looking at how uh, far this is ahead of Janus gives you an idea of where the power level sits on the continuum of really quite bad to very playable. Yeah. It's leaning more towards the middle of that area, if not towards playability, I think. Alright. Anyway, how much we cut I, you off without debate? No, it's fine. Yeah. As much as much as I think it is an extremely expensive cost, I think that that I think that the face checking side of it, where it's it's absolutely it can be absolutely devastating, um, if face checked and you're just not ready, right? I think it's pretty. I don't know. I kind of feel like the card is actually appropriately placed in a meta filled with Faust decks. They're going to utilize all the cards in their hand to get past it, anyways. It's basically gonna. It's to me. It's basically a concept of if you're starting your turn with five cards into Wildside, which is gonna draw two, and this card is the first thing you encounter. Well, it gains a subroutine for every card in your hand. Yeah, it'll be parasited almost immediately, but I mean, we're seeing less and less clone chips in the meta, which means that you kind of have to slow play it. You have to throw down that parasite 
on it first and then wait the one or two turns. This is actually this is actually the, the dilemma that you'll notice Faust decks uh, face when they're playing against uh, HB decks that are running Turing on the central, um, where yeah they can parasite that Turing, but they still can't get through it immediately because there's not another answer. It's throw a parasite on it and wait, and that could that could be a huge difference. So while I don't while I'm not a fan of the card, um, I think in the present meta. If it is played, it is extremely annoying, which is kind of the point, right? I feel like this card was very likely color shifted at the last minute out of Jinteki, um, considering its similarity to K- Kamainu. Um, I, I mean, I guess brain damage is more of an HB thing, so HB thing. it possibly was designed to be an HB, but it certainly mechanically, in a gameplay sense, fits best in Wayland or Jinteki because it synergizes yeah. best with those factions that can. The best way to deal with this ice, or the best the best way to deal with this, is to run with low cards in hand. And if you've got Jinteki yeah. or Wayland decks that can punish you for having low cards in hand, then they're going to be a lot better with this card. So it could, it could be worth trying out. If a bunch of people do start playing this, then Faust becomes worse, which I guess is interesting as well. Yeah. Mm. FFG, if you if you ever listen to this, I would love to see the Wayland version of this that also does meat damage, just so we have this come full circle. Thanks. <laughs> the next card, and I hope I don't. Couple lot of ships saying I think this is much better than the one we just talked about. Uh, it's Ravana 1.0. It's an ice code gate bioroid res 3, strength 5, influence 1. The runner can spend a click to break any subroutine on Ravana 1.0. It has two subroutines and they both read resolve a subroutine on another piece of res bioroid ice. We've seen similar effects like this with ice before, the ones that require you to have other ice already resed. I think the most comparable one is the uh, is it the code gate from the space ice, Jesse? Uh, well, oh, results. Um, wormhole, yeah. Yeah, yep. wormholes has a similar effect to that. So obviously yeah. the downside is the first time you resident, if it's the only piece of ice you have, it does nothing. Um, but I look at this like if you're, if you're layering bioroids, you're playing a lot of bioroids, this becomes a, like effectively it can be like your fourth, fifth, and sixth Eli's yep. if you want. With that are harder to break, it can uh, become a cheaper and uh, second copy of Ichi and things like that. Not to mention if you have any of the really fat bioroids out, it can, you know, copy their more powerful subroutines as well. Um, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah? Cool. No, I thought Hollis could go I actually think, uh, usually Buddy Ice, I, I don't know what, it, I, don't, I don't know another name for it. I think Buddy positional Ice. Positional Ice. No, we're, no we're, coin, we're coining that now. Buddy Ice. Buddy, positional right. Ice, Buddy Ice. They tend to not be extremely popular in Netrunner. And, I mean, I think it's because of just the inherent flaws of, them having to be like in front of another ice that's currently active and alive. This, I think, fits better in what I would expect from a something similar to positional ice or what I would call buddy ice, right? The, the fact that it doesn't have to be in front of a piece of bar red ice or behind it. It can just simply be resed and copy subroutines from another res piece of ice, make it a it's, lot it's, better. It's better that, yeah. Yeah. It's better that you can play it whenever, really. I mean, obviously, it's worse earlier in the game, but you don't have to worry about where exactly it is on the server. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it still faces the same problem as you would get from a card like Chum or uh, or Sensei or Inazuma, where you know if it's if the runner makes a run to res this before something else gets resed, well, yeah, it's it's sort of problematic there, right? Because it doesn't ha- it doesn't do anything, um, but. Th- it feels like if you're going to be running cards like uh, like Eli, like Itchy, which are very, very common in HP decks, and especially looking at the food, co- food coat uh, list now, you know, you're seeing Itchy Victor 1s just to make sure they get two, uh, two subs for cheap um, mm. and Eli's. 
this card is actually pretty well placed. Five strength yeah, for two and, subs. Yeah, and I think if, if you and if you've got like a Res Ichi and a Res Eli, say you're in the mid to late game, this can become a real beast with like a Trasher program in the run. Right. Like out of a code gate, I think it's pretty sweet. It's strength five. Yeah. Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I, I really like it. Um, the similar to Wormhole, um, it's going to trigger off, if you design your deck reasonably well in HB, it's going to trigger off a whole lot of your ice, and a lot of the best HB ice is is Biro Red Ice, so you're going to be playing it anyway. Um, the fact that you get to, yeah, like with Wormhole, choose the best subroutine at the time is really nice, and this is almost better than Wormhole, even though it's a Bioroid, so it can be clicked through, and even though it's got the Bioroid limitation, because it has two subroutines, and when it, whenever I played Wormhole, I... And it costs six less. Well, and it, of course, it costs six less. Yeah. Um, but um, whenever I played Wormhole, I was um, very frustrated by the fact that you could choose something like a trash program subroutine, but then this ice that you've put quite a lot of work into getting up and making hit them at the right time doesn't even end the run. And the fact that with this, you can get a trash program off your HGN and end the run off your Eli um, means that you it's a, a lot more effective as a piece of ice, um, delivering one offensive and one defensive subroutine, if you like. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to trying this out in a whole lot of different decks. And I think all it asks of you is to have one other by road rest, and that is an entirely reasonable ask in an HB Yeah, deck. I agree. Yeah. All right, the uh, first Jinteki card is Dedicated Neural Net. It's an agenda, initiative, Psy, advanced three, score one. The first time there is... The first time there is a successful run on HQ each turn, you and the runner secretly spend zero, one, or two credits. Reveal spent credits. If you and the runner spent a different number of credits, you choose which cards the runner accesses from HQ for the remainder of this run. Uh, One of the things that we often talk about on this podcast is the competitive three-for-one slot. Is this ability good enough to make a three-for-one? I think if you're doing Jinteki Mind Games, it's pretty good. Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I really like this because... Agendas, in my opinion, are really underpowered generally in this game. Um, obviously, excluding a few outliers like Astro. <laughs> um, the The general pool of agendas, particularly in Wayland and Jinteki, is quite low-powered. Um, again, with a couple of notable exceptions. But the, the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is that a lot of the effects on agendas don't last for the remainder of the game or don't really change the game in some way and those that do are the most interesting ones because they ask you um, they can make you think about building a deck around them or building your deck to take best advantage of when they are turned on and when you do score them transitioning into some other game plan that's a little more powerful or, or really accentuating your game plan that you already had is the best way to use it and something like this that says for the rest of the game the rules are changed you know you you can no longer rely on running my HQ for the rest of the game. This is an effect that's really hard to get rid of because it's in my score area. Um, and anytime you run HQ, you're going to have to sign me to be able to see any card that I don't want you to see. That's a and really God, cool And God, for, God forbid that the runners got multi-access on HQ because then you can honestly just threaten to kill them out of Jinteki with this. Yep. You know, access two snares or something of the like. You know, murder them. Yeah, I think Hollis, it's you a fan? really cool. Uh, <clears throat> This is a very this is like this is a very uh, <clears throat> let me restart. I'm sorry. My feeling is this is very much a uh, I have a ditto clause here with Jesse. Uh, it's it's incredibly powerful. I think in a deck like Personal Evolution and um, if if the if PE decks are similar to what we we've, we've seen before, they tend to run you know very little ice, um, and the ice they do have is basically more or less it's 
it's things like Koma Inu where it's a quick gear check and then you have to find the answer and then you don't really worry about the ISIS at that point any, any further. And now it's, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, what cards am I installing that are face down in a remote somewhere uh, that are or are not agendas. Um, so the ability to, the ability to say, to, to control, I guess, the action of the runner as far as what they access is really powerful in a deck like PE where a lot of times you're waiting on the runner to make a mistake. And in this case, you push that further towards, uh, I guess, pull that further towards you saying, no, 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 no. You don't get to make the mistake. I choose what, how, how bad your mistake was. And I and kind it's of like that. pointing out when this triggers too. Like it's, the, the run's already successful. They've already committed yep. to accessing. They don't get a chance to jack out. So the, the gamble is really high stakes for them. Whereas yeah. for you, you're not really risking anything additional. Although we should, we should we should point out. I mean, it's not a huge caveat, but we should point out that it is only the first time each turn the runner makes a successful run in HQ. Yeah. So if the ice is fairly porous and they want to risk it, then yeah. Uh, okay, so the uh, next card is uh, Chetana, or it could be Shaitana. Uh, ice Century AP Psy Res Four Strength Three Influence Two. I think it's Chetana. It has two s- Chetana. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The the first subroutine is each player gains two credits. The second subroutine is a side game, and if you win, you do one net damage for each card in the runner's grip, which is quite a powerful effect. Now, uh, Jesse, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this one first. I know that in the past when we've uh, played around with uh, PE decks, one of the things that uh, Wilfie particularly liked to go for was the strategy where you don't really care how much money your opponent has. So if you're doing that out of this kind of deck, then the first subroutine isn't hugely relevant however obviously what is relevant for is the second subroutine which is the psi game so you're not really going to be draining the runner of credits by psying them all the time but a lot of the time when psi games were involved that was, wasn't the corpse game plan uh, what do you think is this effect obviously if you win the psi game on the second subroutine assuming the subroutine fires this is only a strength three sentry that's a pretty bonkers effect how do you feel about it uh yeah i'm a little bit unsure about this card um, partly because of the base stats. Forda raises quite a lot uh, for a three-strength sentry. That's sort of neural katana range, and I don't think relying on that sort of ice to do what you want when you want to you, do it. You could argue that if you're resing it and planning on it firing, then you're going to res it for two. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah. So yeah. taking that discount into account, um, you're then going to have to presumably spend some money on the side game, although maybe you'll bid zero and be successful. Um yeah. <laughs> uh, and the effect is reasonably good. Um, it's uh, obviously Kamainu is nice, um, but the difference between this and Kamainu is that they only have to pay to break one subroutine if they've got a Mimic, for example, or discard one card for, to a Faust. So its power level is not quite up there. I, it's most comparable, obviously, to Psychic Field. It's Psychic Field on a stick. Um, it's the, exactly <laughs> the same effect. Um, uh, whether uh, Psychic Field is good because it's bluffable as anything else in in your remotes. Whether you want um, your ice to be doing that, I don't really know. Um, Maybe a case. I think another thing that's really problematic about this card is that, similar to Harvester, an an effect that the runner can repeatedly run into to get a resource that they may want is really risky for the Corp to play. Um, And they may not particularly care about the number of cards in their hand and if you have this on the outside of a server, they can just run into it, gain a few credits to do whatever else it is they were going to do, and then do it. And that can be a bit of a blowout um, for you as the corpse. So anything that you're playing that has the capacity to assist your opponent that significantly is something that you need to be quite careful of, I think. 
it, I feel like Chitana has the, the the sort of issue that a lot of other three strength, you know, Century Ice has is that Ice already trigger fairly infrequently, so that's a problem, you know, in its own. That's just the nature of the game, right? If you're if you're a prepared runner, if you know all the threats, you're, it's unlikely you're going to get hit by something that's you know really really horrible um, on the competitive side. Uh, but also being at three strength means that, you know, the most common century breaker in the game that everyone pretty much plays um, is the best answer to this. And so that kind of knocks it out of that, you know, the available power level that it could have. I actually really like J- Jesse's comment in regards to, you know, the comparing it to Psychic Field, right? It's, it's exactly what he said. Psychic Field, at the very least, has the option of being bluffed as something else when face down. And so you punish them even just for looking. Whereas... The face check opportunity here doesn't seem quite as great because on top of having the most common breaker available to get you know to get rid of this, it's still a game to do the net. Now, granted, yeah, we know that's in the Corpus favor, but it's not a it's not a guaranteed hit here. So, um, being a three strength century where you play a game to to do this net, net damage makes it you know still less powerful than something like Psychic Field, where you could bluff that uh, beautiful agenda we just saw. I think you're absolutely right there, Hollis. And just really quickly on this, I think the power level on Psy Ice needs to be raised significantly in order for it to be good. Yeah. Because sighing for a subroutine is f- around 50% or less of just getting the subroutine. And so you should be not only paying a significant discount to res the card, um, but also there needs to be some other recognition elsewhere on the card through abilities or on encounter abilities or extra subroutines um, of the fact that, that putting the card in your deck and installing it and suffering that tempo hit and the opportunity cost of having it in your deck is also significant that the cards need to be a higher power level. So something like Snowflake is just so far from being playable. This is getting a little bit closer because the effect is at least a little bit more impactful if you do win the side game. Um, but I think we yeah. need to see a little bit more creativity in designing these cards if they're really going to be played. Just one, just one last question, I guess, more of an opinion-related question based on the card. So, if, you, if you're on the runner side and your opponent reses this, um, are you breaking that each player gains two credits? Because I feel like I might be tempted to, if for no other reason but because two credits puts them halfway to another snare, and I'd like to prevent that. What would you do? Do you break them both? Entirely contextual. Yeah, it depends on the situation. Or if it's like maybe if you're playing Faust and you want to make some money, you just discard one card and gain two credits. Like if you're if you're if you're playing like Mimic, then you're only really gaining one credit if you break the assuming you're breaking the other subroutine. Um, yeah, it, it's really contextual. It depends how much money your opponent has like and how much money you have and what you want to do with it. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, but the fact that you, again, like Jesse pointed out, the fact that you have the option is uh, not good uh, for the corp. The uh, first NBN card is the Puppet Master. It's an agenda initiative advance five score three. When the runner makes when the runner makes a successful run, you may place one advancement token on a card that can be advanced. Now five for threes have had a real rough trot these last few months, being in the competitive slot with Global Food Initiative. Uh, this kind of effect, which we have seen on assets and ice already, and has proven to not be hugely popular. Uh, how do we feel? Of it, how do we feel about it coming out of a five for three? This is in a faction that doesn't have a whole lot of you know trappy kind of assets or things that they can bluff against. You know, so the first putting, time I played the game, yeah, I thought yeah, Matrix Analyzer ahead. was really good. 
um, yeah. because I thought that you could score agendas on the runner's turn. Um, so if yeah, they run into Matrix Analyzer, <laughs> you know, you advance your thing the third time and then you get it. I was like, this is some sick, fast advance thing. Turns <laughs> out you can't, and the card is really bad. Um, this but card... hold on, even if, even, if, even if you could score, let's just live in this hypothetical world where the rules are different and you can score an agenda on yep. the runner's turn. Yeah. You've got a face down three for two, right? And yeah. they're like, run R&D. And you're like, yeah, successful trigger, put on that. Is there second click not just to run whatever server that has got the advanced card? Well, but then you just score it. Anyway, but if it's if it's got no advanced mechanics on it. What do you mean you've gone and still advanced? Yeah, advanced you're going to still like, advance advanced matrix analyzers on the, on the outside of that server. Oh, and then okay. They run sure, the and matrix then they run there, and you, then you advance yeah. and you score it, and, and you they like, can't sick. get in. Oh, yeah. yeah, cool, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah that would be amazing. But yeah. Go on. Yeah. So, <laughs> aside from <laughs> my misunderstanding of the game's rules... um. That ability has turned out not to be very good. As you said, Brian, the, this faction doesn't have advanceable ice. It doesn't have a lot of the traps that Jinteki has. Um, it does have, obviously, a few things that can use advancement counters, like reverse accounts, etc. Um, but nothing that sees a huge amount of play. Nothing yeah. that sees a huge amount of play. Um, and nothing that is particularly... I mean, it, this could see play in, like, a harp deck, potentially, which is where you had the... what was I can't remember what the zero-cost um, yeah, the, the, thing was uh, that you could raise to... Union, the, yeah, you know, you, you pay one at the start of your turn and you can put an advancement counter on something else that's in play. I mean, the that's red, just... It's like the red carpet or something like that. Yeah. That's just a better version of this effect um, because at least it's sort of fitting into that game plan, whereas... This the fact that this happens on the runner's turn I think is just so bad. At least that happens at the start of your turn. So as I said, you can score, you can make most use of the advancement counter. This asks you to be putting an advancement counter on something that you can get the most use out of on the runner's turn, which there just isn't the support for in the card pool at the moment. I can't help but think that maybe there... And, and I, actually, I actually made this statement after the last NBN agenda that we saw. I can't help but think that... There is an element of the game that maybe I would hope there's an element of the game that they can look ahead and see that we haven't seen, because the last two NBN agendas that we've seen, are granted, the existing NBN agendas uh, besides the last four two and this one, right, have been powerful. NBN has you know began the game with one of the most powerful agendas in the game, um, but I cannot but think I or I cannot but hope <clears throat> that they are looking ahead to a future where NBN's abilities utilize these features in a way that I, I can't see yet. Um, the 4-2 that increases hand size, I cannot imagine a situation where I would want that over any other agenda in the game. And, uh, I mean, I, I really can't. And then, and then this 5-3, there's no way to score. And as Jesse just you know made it very clear... They have nothing in faction that really benefits from advancing cards on the opponent's turn. So yeah. I'm, I'm not certain what this is doing in here's, this faction. Here's another, here's another hypothetical for you. How much better would this card be if the text instead read, Puppet Master is worth one fewer agenda point while in the runner score area? <laughs> wow. Like, how much, much better? <laughs> how much better? How much better would Wayland be if this was a five three in there in, in that pie where this actually fits in that pie? Yeah, where you would you could actually advance their eyes. Yeah, you could actually after... fuck with them and be like, "Fuck, I don't know what that is." You know, yeah. Right. Even then, I mean, even then, I think even that having a five for yeah. three in your deck is just so awful that the power right. level yeah. of them needs to be going up, not down. Yeah, right. Exactly right. And exactly. this is one of the worst five for threes that we've seen. <clears throat> truly, truly terrible. 
Uh, the next card is Waver. It's an NBN Ice, Codegate, Tracer, Res 5, Strength 5, Influence 2. It has one subroutine, which is Trace 5. If successful, the runner reveal, reveals his or her grip. Trash each, of, trash each of those cards with a play or install cost equal to or less than the amount by which your trace strength exceeded his or her link strength. Man, we are moving... <clears throat> so... <laughs> Flipping, you know, flipping that coin, uh, I just stated, like, they're looking ahead to an NBN, like, NBN options that, you know, we aren't really familiar with. Yeah. We're seeing a lot. Oh, go ahead. Everything is, like, a fucking, you know, thought seize. Yeah. Yeah. It was a similar effect in the last pack, wasn't it, with um, the card where everyone was throwing their uh, class crates into the bin? Uh, hospitality, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It... It, MBN is like very much. It seems like the they they have like the control options, right? Like Group that is so yeah. interesting. Like it to me, the I, fact I that, like this card. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think it's so cool. I don't know. That's isn't that weird to say? It's it's such a it's cool. A, yeah, idea. It's, it's a weird effect. Like if you can, uh, if they're on a face plants into this and they can't break it, like straight strength five is a lot for them to pay. And if they don't pay it, or you can you know exceed it, say say if they just let it fire. At five, you can most of the time guarantee to trash everything in their hand with what most competitive decks look like in terms of cost, yeah, which which opens up a, a pretty cool thing, you know. And I, I like that kind of design space. It's it's you know it's it's five to res, but it's also a very high strength code gate. Uh, like it's amazing how small we can write the fine print these days. Like it's just, I, I dig it. You know, I what Jesse? What do you think? Yeah, so like people for a while. In a vacuum, it's not great, but. Well, people for a while were playing Invasion of Privacy in Kill Decks as a way of getting rid of some cards, like I've had worse, um, yeah. similar to the sort of Sam's Hospitality effect, but a little bit less targeted. Um, and obviously three influence. This is one less influence at two, and it's arguably more powerful than Invasion of Privacy, particularly in a Making News shell. Um, making News for a long time has been crying out for ice that has trace subroutines that aren't just tagging and that do ha- yeah. are a little more impactful. And having something like this that is really, really impactful, um, you know, if you beat their trace strength by seven, um, well, it's unlikely that they're going to be running on no credits, but let's just say that you yeah. do manage to beat it by seven, um, you're pretty much going to be trashing their whole hand. Yeah. yeah, I still think if you beat it by five, yeah, most of the time you're going to be trashing the hell. Yeah, um, which is pretty like, massive um, for a piece of ice. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, again, we've said it, Kamainu. It's another card that has a similar effect, and in NBN decks that are trying to kill the runner, uh, getting them down to zero cards in hand can be really, really handy. Uh, the next NBN card is Exchange of Information. It's an Operation Grey Ops, cost zero, influence two. Play only if the runner is tagged. Swap an agenda in your score area with an agenda in the runner's score area. So it looks what? like most people are going to be exchanging their information with DJs. <laughs> I think uh, this is a cool effect. Uh, I can only really... I guess, you know, in yeah. so in NBN, you're, you're playing a lot of two-for-ones. Not a lot of two-for-ones, but more than most decks. We so can. You can always you play four swap. if you want. Yeah, well, yeah, you could. Sure. <laughs> so most NBN decks are playing two two-for-ones. So you, you can swap one of your two-for-ones out for their... Uh, two for threes, they do have to be tagged. So again, the question we always ask is if you're going for a tag strategy, 
Uh, you're not going to be just trying to kill them instead. Is that better? I mean, as we spoke, we spoke with Damon a couple of weeks ago about how opening up the the tagging NBN side of things to turn it more into a resource. We've already seen a few cards that do have cool things that, that when they're tagged, uh, this is a fairly narrow effect, but it, it can be uh, like there's some situations where it could just win you the game as well. So Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's pretty sweet. Like people play a one-off closed accounts, and that effect can be a real blowout, or it can not be. It's very um, has high variance. This similarly has reasonably high variance. Uh, you have a little more control over it, though, in the sense that you can control how different the agendas are in your deck and how much differential there is between how much they mean to you when you, if you have them scored or if you don't. Uh, Global Food Initiative obviously plays really, really well with this because one of the downsides of this is that you need to be behind in order for it to be good. Um, but Global Food Initiative, you're less far behind when they have it than you are in yeah. front once you've played this card. So the differential between having this card and not having this card is much higher with Global Food Initiative. Um, so for that reason, I think it works really well with that. Uh, it's another card that works well in that sort of making use shell or any a sink shell, any NBN shell that's trying to go with the tagging um, ice uh, and have some sort of plan for once the runner starts going tag me and takes all the tags and just attacks your centrals. Killing them is one plan, uh, but having maybe one of these in your deck to be able to finish off scoring your points by swapping out for one of the GFIs might also be good. I have, like, no, uh, I have no input on like... Yeah. like You're good? <laughs> yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> The first Wayland card is Red Tape. It's an Ice Code Gate Res 2, Strength 5, Influence 1. It's one subroutine reads, All Ice has plus 3 strength for the remainder of this run. When we spoke about Ravana 1.0 earlier in this episode, we talked about the caveat that you have to take into account when Ice doesn't do anything by itself. So when you're deciding whether or not you want to play a card that does that, the effect has to be pretty strong. I think a, a 2 res cost for 5 strength and a Code Gate with this subroutine, which is reasonable, uh, could see some play into some decks, but I'm going to pass it on over to, to Jesse Marshall, the Wayland player. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the faction that you've chosen, and none of us can play it, because so, it's your faction. So uh, how do you feel about this, this kind of effect? Uh, well, it's kind of neat that they've got um, the red tape in the art there tying up Corroder. It looks kind of funny. but um... uh, Cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, Corona, you meant Yogg? I'm so confused. No, 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 it's Corona. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's obviously Yogg. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, so the, the fact that um, this ice is positional is really bad. Positional ice is terrible. Um, in general, uh, the, the this just baffles me, really. Like, you need to have it in a particular place in the server. It only affects ice uh, in that yeah, server because, it, as well too, because it only works for the remainder of the run. Like, it has to be in front of whatever you're oh, trying so to buff. I, th- I thought it was turn. So, okay. No, so it's, it's even, run. So, okay, it, sure. yes, it affects so all it's ice. especially but it, positional. Yeah. yeah, it affects all ice, but it only works for the run. So, barring some sort of Susanu oh, shenanigans, that's not going to matter. And, yeah, realistically... I think Patch is not a particularly good card. It has possibly some utility in warding off parasites and, you know, you could put a patch on your brainstorm and make it really a lot harder for them to naturally tick it down. Something like this doesn't even have that anti-parasite utility um, that Patch does. So I just, yeah, I'm really quite baffled by how this could ever be playable. I like, I do like the fact that the card is... um, this card show to me shows an evolution as far as how they approach design 
towards the a lot of the buddy ice, like uh, because it's actually well costed, right? Like it, it, in 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 the grand scheme of things, like it's two to res, really? it's five strength. I think it's How, fine, right? It, it's more expensive than Chum. Like what is Chum? <laughs> Chum gave plus two strength and did and net damage, damage right? if a three net damage if they didn't break the next piece of ice. And has exactly That's the right. same limitations charm, hey. in terms of position. It costs one yeah. less. And it only had one less strength. I think one credit for one strength is a really bad trade. So I think this is more expensive than Chum. Only gives you one more strength, but doesn't have the net damage clause. You wouldn't, you wouldn't run like a 1x of red tape? Like just a 1? Absolutely not. Never. Not in my life. Oh, wow. It's basically right. a blank just... card. If they kill when, the ice behind it, to something like, it's awful. Like if we if we compare it again to like Ravana, just because it's in this pack, uh, if if you draw red tape in your opening hand, you're like, and it's yeah, rip that hand, yeah. Then you then, and you or you've only got you know two ice. You're like, okay, one of my ice doesn't do anything. Or if I want this to do something, I have to put it in front of the other ice I've already got. Whereas Ravana, you're like, I can put it somewhere later, and it's going to do something at some point. And that, that's the worst case scenario. The What's the best yeah, case scenario? Exactly. You like buff something beyond the range that they can break it. Whoop de doo! Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a crap uh, corporate cool. troubleshooter. I think I think your comparison to Chum was fairly apt and, and telling as well, seeing as how many people played Chum. Yeah, and also the other thing to note is that it's costing you more than the res cost yeah. because it literally does nothing unless you're paying additional credits to install it out. Exactly right. So that's true. That's true. So, yeah, the fact that it costs two is not actually correct. Sorry, Hollis. Uh, the, the next... <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Hollis, in case you, you missed the subtext of Jesse's exchange then, you're wrong, mate. <laughs> you're wrong? <laughs> the, uh, consulting Visit is a Wayland Operation Alliance double cost two influence three. It costs zero influence if you have six or more non-Alliance Wayland cards in your deck. As an additional cost to play this operation, spend a click... Search R&D for an operation and play it, paying all costs, shuffle R&D. Ah, there's a lot of uh, lot of sentences in here. I thought for a moment that you could tutor up your Scorched Earth and kill people with it, but then I realized it's a double, so it's harder to do that. You still might be able to, uh, but I'm sure there's something more interesting than, than that to do with it. Uh, Hollis, what are your thoughts? Uh, well... Just, I'm so down on the alliance mechanic. Uh, you can tutor your sea sauce with it and then subcontract your two Scorch Deaths on your last click. You can do that, yes. You can. So, in general, the fact that this is an alliance kind of scares me because it's it's alliance and infaction with Wayland. So, Wayland gets that too. Oh, oh, sorry, just, just tell me, if this, does Mumbad City Hall let you play the operation, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. So, so you can tutor this, play it, yep. and tutor another thing for, if you got. Okay. Cool. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. So it, it it combos. You know, it basically combos with Mumbad City Hall. So you basically can just yeah you you, you use Mumbad City Hall. You find this. You use the Mumbad City Hall. Find this. Play it. Use its ability immediately. So it is comboy, but it still costs you two clicks. And it does cost you two operation. clicks. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it costs you two clicks, but you can get any operation that you want. Um, I think I think if you're playing... This is hard to judge. I, I don't know how the meta will shift, or if it will shift at all because of this card, but it feels like it definitely makes kill cards immediately accessible. 
which is sort of scary in my opinion. Now, granted, I know you're losing a click in this process, so you lose the ability to go like mid-season Scorch Scorch or C-Source Scorch Scorch, but it feels like Wayland decks that are going to be utilizing anything that gains, gains them additional clicks, this becomes extremely powerful. Um, here's it another question. It also makes the one-of Silver Bullet operation strategy a lot more attractive, so things like um, Snatch and Grab become a lot better. Because you're more likely, as long as you have a Mumbad City Hall, you have access to any of those cards in your deck at the time you need them. Which is cool. Yeah, that's not too bad. I don't mind that. I'd like to see if people end up comboing with this for, for net damage, but I, I or for meat damage, excuse me. But I kind of feel like I kind of feel like the Gagarin decks we've been saying they're similar to IG, but mm. have the Scorch package. Maybe yeah. those have a use can, to this card. Can you go like? Can you go like? Is there some shenanigans with like uh, shutdown you can do with this? Probably power that's, shutdown. That's a power shutdown. Yeah, you mm. power shutdown. Yeah, Jackson, you could. Uh, you could definitely Mombat put City one of Hall. these. Yeah, you definitely yeah. put one of these in your um, uh, cerebral imaging deck if you wanted to. If you can mm. find space for three influence. No, because it's Unless they're already it's playing. Elias. Are they already playing? Yeah, yeah, they're already playing six. Yeah, because you're playing shipment from Kaguya yeah. um, as well. Yeah, power shutdown and something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. cool. Yeah, tutors are cool. I like tutors. Jesse, do you like this card? <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I think it goes best as you said, Hollis, in the Gagarin decks that are using Mumbad City Hall. Without Mumbad City Hall, it's quite mediocre. Um, I don't really like Mumbad City Hall, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> cool. The uh... <laughs> The uh, last, the last uh, ice for this deck is vanilla. Last ice for it's this deck <laughs> is vanilla. It's an ice barrier, res zero, strength zero, influence zero. It's one subroutine. Reads Robert Matthew Van Winkle, born October thirty first, nineteen sixty seven, is an American rapper, actor, and television host. Born in South Dallas and raised Wait, in Texas no, no, and South Florida. Wait, no, 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 no. That what? That's the wrong. Are you thinking vanilla ice? <laughs> Oh, is that... Are you... What, what, what's... Sorry, I'm going off the link here. You guys got something different? Yeah, it's... No, no, Ryan. It's Vanilla the Ice, the bear, the Zero Wave. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. All right, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, sorry. This one just reads End the Run. Cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Man, guys, can we... Do we all like this card, or do we all hate this card? It has to be all well, or nothing, some, though. <laughs> well, I'm a... You're going to have to... You're going to have to say first, though, Hollis. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I like it. You'd love it. I You'd love, love it. it. Like I love I'm it. somebody who's I'm someone who's always had a soft spot for paper wall, uh, which is the card that everyone seems to uh, be comparing this with. Um, it's everyone says you know, paper wall is slightly better because it doesn't immediately die to parasite, but as soon as they break it, it goes away. We're seeing less instant speed parasites, and so maybe that balances it out i'm tempted to just play six like free barriers uh just and then try to score out that that first turn something three for two behind as the free barrier out of argus or something like that uh jesse you never liked paper wall so how do you feel about this did you say i never liked paper wall yeah, as far as I remember, you didn't really like Paper Wall that much. I played. You said it was garbage. Oh, oh were, you, were you playing? Were you playing? Were you, did you play? You played the worlds. Yeah. A, did you, was that when you were playing Inazuma as well, and you'd put that in front of a Paper Wall? Uh, no. Who was doing that? It was, it was in. Ori. It was in HP. Oh, let's 
Let's talk about Wilfie while he's not here. I'm pretty sure he was doing that at one point, putting it in a zoomer in front of a paper wall and being like, Ugh. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he was. Maybe. I'm pretty sure he's doing that, yeah. Um, however, vanilla I quite like. Um, as you said, zero res cost quandary has been one of my favourite ice for a very long time. Um, I think I said in a, an earlier episode quite a long time ago, that I thought Quandry was one of the best corp cards in the game, and people gave me all sorts of shit for some reason. But I still think that's the case, um, because it enables a whole lot of strategies. And if you played the game before Quandry came out, you would realise how important having that sort of card is, or having that particular card is, for enabling a whole lot of aggressive corp strategies. So this is very similar to Quandry. It can be parasited. It costs one less than Quandry. You're trading barrier for code gate. Um... Barriers are slightly easier to break, potentially. Um, but, you know, if, God forbid, people start playing Yogg again, this doesn't just fold to Yogg, so they're always going to be paying something to get through it. Uh, so, yeah, I really like it, and I'm sure I'm going to be playing it quite a lot in a range of different decks. Dope. Cool. Uh, well, that's well and truly all the time we've got for the winning agenda this week. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at winningagenda. And you can check out our Facebook page, The Winning Agenda. Yeah, do all of those things. <laughs> after uh, after some 87 weeks, Jesse finally decides to weigh in on whether or not you should contact us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've always thought you he was, should. He was on the fence for so long. <laughs> <laughs> all right, until next Monday, guys. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. See you guys. Thanks, everyone. A few weeks ago, I made the promise that if anybody wanted to hear me read out the description of the Snaking News deck, that I would do it. Uh, Upon reflection, this is a mistake, as a few people on Twitter asked just that, but I'm a man of my words, so if you've got Snaking News up in front of you, you can follow along at home. Uh, Here we go. Mongoose.